Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, I am also here. <laughs> Yay! We're going to talk about the Tonys. The Tony Awards. So all of us got together, and we had a little viewing party. And we had a little rosé. And and some other such treats, like gummy worms. And cheese. And more rosé. And more cheese. It was, it was all right, rosé. It was pretty good. And there were some pieces of carrots, which, you know, for the healthy contingent. So on our podcast, typically we'll cover educational topics, but when we're all talking together, it's just to recap and invite you kind of into the conversations that we're having about current events on in the musical scene. I'm Jake. I'm Marky. I'm Claire. And I'm Ben. Ben, we have a new voice and it's Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, Jake. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We made it. We did it. We're all all here. We're all in the same room together. Have you ever felt like nobody would care? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of going live on air? Have you ever felt the ratings could disappear? That if you host, no one would cheer. Claire, what did you think of the Tony Awards this year? So here's the deal. I really enjoyed it, and I came into it thinking I would enjoy it because I really liked Kevin Spacey, and I really thought he was going to do all right. Same. But the bar was really high this year because of how great it was last year. But last year was also a really tumultuous year for the Tonys because it happened right after uh, the attack on the Pulse nightclub, and everybody was kind of brought together by that energy and, and in support of that. And uh, it was it was a great year for Hamilton, and all the performances were so energized. So that was yeah. James Corden who who hosted it, and he was great, and he was really he was so good. Uh, he was really genuine, and his performance was really good. Um, and I really liked that, but I it was the bar was a little too high for Kevin well, Spacey. It's actually funny you say that. I actually think the bar was much lower because Hamilton was last oh, year. Sure, sure, sure. And, you know, a lot of people, and especially after seeing just a lot of the performances, I mean, we'll obviously get into that into greater detail, but this these weren't like big popular musicals. I mean, Dear Evan Hansen is sort yeah. of like the big popular one, but it's like, it's sort of almost a chamber piece. It's just like eight actors singing mm. a bunch of like intimate songs. There aren't like big group numbers in it. Yeah. Um, Natasha Pierre and the Great Carbon of 1812 is its own weirdo electro EDM <laughs> pop opera thing. Groundhog Day is Groundhog Day. <laughs> and Come From Away is like Laramie Project the musical. It's like there weren't really big sort of crowd-pleasing musicals this year and especially like maybe not mu- musicals that were in the popular conscience so I th- I felt the bar was actually much lower and then Kevin Spacey who I mean they made fun of the fact he was like the 14th choice but I mean you felt that I mean yeah. we, so many people popped up on the night and we were like why weren't they hosting why weren't they hosting mm. it, it so for me it was actually significantly lower which so some moments were a little better because of that but it did, for me, hit that pretty low bar for most of the night. <laughs> and it felt to me like James Corden was so earnest. Like, he was yeah. crazy earnest in the opening number. They ended on that thing with all the kids. That makes me cry every time I watch it. To every future leading man who's making his debut In his fifth grade class is Peter Pan as pirate number two To every future dancing queen whose feet are set to fly At the tiny toddler's tap routine next Sunday at the Y 
to the theater kids from any place with stardust in their eyes of every color class and race and face and shape and size to the boys and girls transgenders too to every broadway would be don't wonder if this could be you it absolutely could be ladies and gentlemen your 2016 musical acting nominees i think part of it was coming off of pulse i think part of it was that Last year felt like just such a celebration in general of musicals because everyone knew Hamilton was going to win. So there was like no really competition. Everyone loved Hamilton so much that nobody was mad about it. So like it was just everyone coming together to like celebrate the community. And there all these articles came out, I remember last year, about like how every other award show that year sucked and the Tonys were so good because they were celebratory, because they like really celebrated the artists and the work and they were so much more fun to watch than like any other show and you have to remember james Calden got his footing in theater he won a tony award for one man two governors he first came yeah. to broadway in the history boys i mean that's really where he was I, we were saying the night he was supposed to be in a revival of funny thing happened on the way to the forum but then he got the late late show oh, right and here we are <laughs> and like that I feel like last year it was we were all just left feeling like oh my god this is about the children this is about the future of like Broadway and this time it was this is about Kevin Spacey <laughs> being self-deprecating to Kevin Spacey but it's just like the many layers of Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. it also felt fairly apolitical agreed which yeah. to me was very strange mm-hmm. I felt I mean Cynthia Nixon had some lovely remarks in her award speech uh Stephen Colbert made a bunch of political jokes mm-hmm. but for the most part I felt that I mean they didn't really address politics in what is obviously a very volatile political landscape agreed I also feel like this year it just like felt kind of irrelevant like I left on Sunday night and like spent yesterday being like oh like what were the moments that really stood out to me and what like And I just am like, oh, okay, cool. That was an award show. I kind of forgot about it. And I think part of that is that it was a rather predictable night, even though the like, uh, I don't think that there was a clear front runner. At least I didn't think there was a clear front runner for best musical. (laughs) But we should have known it was Dear Evan Hansen. Right. But like, I feel like the night could have gone a different way and like really celebrated Great Comet and which is such a interesting and weird and new musical kind of in the vein that Hamilton was and more diverse as well and way more diverse which coming off of a year that was so lauded for its diversity this was like an overwhelmingly pretty white white. Tonys and especially for us in the Chicago theater community where last week we had the Jeffs which was similarly Similarly quite white overwhelmingly white yeah yeah well I think we, we came away from this because there was no real like rallying cry, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You talk about it being apolitical. Even the acceptance speeches were tame. They were except for (laughs) my favorites, Bette Midler. Oh boy. God bless her. I oh man, I can't oh man. What happened with Bette Midler was that she won for her portrayal of Dolly in Hello Dolly. Which we saw she gave a lovely performance the night of the Tony Awards. It was was so good it was almost like we were actually watching David Hyde Pierce perform a number. (laughs) Her impression of David Hyde Pierce was spot on and and like I honestly I felt (laughs) 
I felt so bored that I couldn't believe well, well, the transformation. But she accepted her award, and she just she she was effusive in her thanks. Bambini Feldstein, oh my God, I'm losing it. Wait a second. And she's she's a very charismatic woman. She's very funny, so she was. Uh, very quick and uh, had her moments and her little jokes and it seemed like it was going to be just a fast uh, normal acceptance speech and then the music started and she just like freight trained through it <laughs> she she just didn't care revival shut that crap off I just want to say 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 that Revival is an interesting word. It means that something is near death. And it was it was great. And, and, it was and people life. in the audience, Hello, of course, were laughing. Was it was away. it great? It has been yeah. Here. So unfortunately, she took up a lot of time. Time being of the essence in the award show. And then we don't get to see a lot of the more technical awards that are very important to us in the theater community and important, of course, to the artists that are, are being awarded. So to that end... She was a bit of a diva about it. She reminded us that Hello Dolly is in all of our hearts, which is such yeah. a great thing to let us know. How did, yeah, she didn't. She did not need to make any case for Hello Dolly. It's not like Hello Dolly is struggling to sell tickets. Bed Midler is not on the corner begging people to come see Hello Dolly, so that was really unnecessary. But the unfortunate part of it was when she came backstage and she went to the the media, the press line when they're asking more questions. She continued to rattle off thanks after thanks yeah, after thanks. she was thanks. like, oh, I forgot some people. And I was like, you had the longest accepted she... speech of the night. How did you forget and people? there was a tweet that I saw, and actually it summed it up pretty well. It's like, I w- someone was like, I wish that Bette Midler's had so much passion about performing that she did about talking. Because it's like, if she was so passionate in like the work, why didn't she like make a case for performing that night? To have her work sort of broadcast on a national level yeah i'm confused with i've i've seen a couple of conflicting reports as to why hello dolly did not perform uh before the parade passes by or um, just any number with bet midler in it yeah so for those keeping track at home who maybe didn't watch or aren't familiar they did a uh shall we say underwhelming <laughs> pe- song from hello dolly that was not in the in the not in the original. It was like a cut a song they cut in previews from the original production, a solo number for David Hyde Pierce's character. And so, yeah, so the report is that what I've heard is that they were going to perform before the parade passes by, but Scott Rudin, the producer, and Jerry Zach, the director, were huge divas and were like, nope, we can't restage it for Radio City Music Hall, but we want to perform it at the Schubert and broadcast it. But- I mean, it's doable, but also that's... Every single Broadway musical has figured out how to restage for the Tonys. It's a huge yeah. diva move. Um, and, it's, and it's hard to say whether Bette Midler was involved in that decision or not. But again, if she was so passionate that she had to speak and had to tell the orchestra to cut it out, you would think she would make a case for wanting to perform on the awards. That's my take on it. Yeah. Mm. But ever, but people enjoyed it because they're like, oh man, she's, she's Bette Midler and that's in her character. And I will say... If Elaine Stritch did that, I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty classic, like, Broadway diva move, which is, like, a big... people. I mean, people love Broadway divas. Mm-hmm. We love our, our older, brassy ladies in musical Yeah, theater. the old guard. I mean... Yeah, for sure. So, it, it, in, in, in Bed Midler's defense, she, is, she has a lot of gratitude. She went backstage and she thanked... She wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. everybody understood how many stage yeah. hands and how much work was involved in making props. I can't remember the last time... 
that a leading lady said to oppress a line of you know, microphones, you guys should really take some time to appreciate props designers. I can't remember the last time anybody said that. I think Lin-Manuel no, tweeted awesome. once and that was once in history. Yeah. That's Lin-Manuel <laughs> and he's, he's the Hufflepuff we all deserve. So her, her gratitude was really refreshing and she's, she's been at this for so long. So it's, it's kind of six and one half a dozen of the other. It's, it was a little bit cringe worthy to see like that happen. And then to see time taken away from other artists. And on the other hand, she is old guard and for sure it was very entertaining so i i i don't think that the tonys really understand who they're for right mm-hmm. and i find that as a theater lover and a consumer of things around tony season a lot of the uh, musicals will go on late night shows and they'll do numbers and both come from away and dear evan hansen did the numbers that they had already performed a couple of times on late night, which to me seems like a really weird move, but like that maybe leans a little more towards commercializing the musical, Mm -hmm. um, but was like disappointing for me, who was like really looking forward to seeing like a different number and one that I hadn't already seen before. But then like Hello Dolly was like, here, theater nerds, you get to listen to this cut song from previews. The deepest possible cut. Exactly. Like, why? I don't understand. Like, that is... I understand that Hello Dolly It was like a D or an F side. I understand that Hello Dolly doesn't need to sell tickets, but, like, I I just find, like, that baffling. And I think that um, Great Comet struck the perfect balance Mm -hmm. and what all shows should do, which is that they did a medley. Most of my favorite Tony performances have been medleys, so you can kind of see multiple bits. Like, even Hamilton, it wasn't technically a medley, but they did two songs. They did one song into the other, and then they did the Skylar Sisters at the end. And that's the constant identity crisis, especially of the Tonys these days, as theater and Broadway has sort of, outside of Hamilton, has slipped out of the national consciousness. Mm. Um, It's sort of, what are the Tonys? Who are they for? Are they... for the theater kids, are they for the theater people and should be speaking to them? Or is it to put Broadway on a national level and try and bring it in? And I and I mean I always thought that, you know, the constant like putting categories in the commercial breaks, like we don't get to see who wins best choreography or best book, but we get to see who wins best sound mixing at the Oscars right. every year. Yeah. And I think the Tonys need to figure out what the broadcast is for and who the broadcast is for either way i think across the board the the choices of numbers that they did perform were baffling right for truly bananas yeah both original music for both like first time like the new musicals and the revivals just (laughs) miss saigon i don't really know anything about miss saigon and i don't know what that number is except for the fact that eva noblezada has a fantastic voice that's all i took away from that number I thought it 
it was so baffling that both Miss Saigon, again, I'm not super familiar with the musical, but I'm familiar enough to assume that that happens near the end of the musical. Oh yeah, that's a mega spoiler. It's and, a huge spoiler. Um, not that you need to go see Miss Saigon, you don't need to go see Miss Saigon. Um, but then also Groundhog Day did just like the closing number from the show, <laughs> which is, I mean, like again, both of those are like, most people are at least vaguely aware of Miss Saigon. Most people have seen the movie Groundhog Day, but like, why? I just, there's, especially like that musical has like a big, like you could have done a medley of the days repeating themselves, which I think maybe you couldn't do because of technical stuff or whatever. But like you, I don't know. There's, there are better numbers in that show. And they were both such low key pieces and like Groundhog Day, like if you're going to see Groundhog Day, you want to have a good time. Like, you're it's not... A comedy. It's a, it's a comedy. It is technically a musical comedy. Yeah, I don't know that anybody's going to Groundhog Day to reflect on their life. No, they're going to see it. That's, like, the big... That's, like, the new Broadway musical that's, like, big and dancey. And they... And, and that was... The beginning of it was kind of exciting. But then it was just, like, a love ballad. It was a very low-key performance night. Mm-hmm. Well, the most Except fun was Great Comet. Great Comet. Great Comet and for incredible. me, Falsettos, which I know... Oh, Falsettos, Falsettos was super fun. The Falsettos was super fun. Yes, that Rackable, that racket, that tennis number. choreography, it's great. No. It's, to and perform. It's, and it's awesome that they got to perform it because they're releasing it in movie theaters this summer. Yeah. By the way, you should check it out if you can go to falsettosincinema.com. So excited. It's a, yeah. Wow, are and you I'm, getting paid to plug that website? No. That's so specific. I just, want, I just really want people, I just saw that and I want people to see it mm-hmm. because we should support lesser known musicals being distributed nationwide. And it's that a, is totally it's true. It's one of the better musicals that exists and from what I've heard, one of the better productions that existed this year. One, two, three, four. It bounced twice. No, it didn't. Once, then twice, you know it did. That's not nice. No, it isn't. God, you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> Just stay back, serve with force. I'll attack and of course I will win. Just give in to please. Come on. And kiss. Let's go. So do we have, were we sort of in consensus that our, our favorite performances were Great Comet and Falsettos? Oh, I think, great comment, yeah, for real. definitely. I mean, I think the other ones were good. I just think that those were, they're most entertaining. Yeah, definitely. I think Come From Away, at first, I was like not into, but it, it weirdly it grows, grows on, on you right? just by sheer force of I repetition and will. I was in the will. supermarket the other day and I could not stop saying I am an islander just over and over like a horrible oh, wow. mantra. <laughs> I'm an islander. I am an islander. To the land where we lost our loved ones and we said We will still go on Welcome to the land where the wind 
That's weird because I was at the supermarket and I was just waving through a window. <laughs> Get ready, America, for every white boy to be singing that at an audition. It's already started. And it's going to keep going oh boy. for years and years. So I am obsessed with Come From Away, if we're talking about our favorite ones. I um, am particularly into documentary theater. Um, and what I find really fascinating about Come From Away is that it is a documentary musical about the town of Gander in Newfoundland, um, where a ton of planes that were flying overseas were diverted to on 9-11 because the airspace closed. And this t- the town of Gander and a bunch of surrounding towns, but they collapsed into one town for the musical, had to take ba- like all of these essentially refugees in for five days. And th- these people did not, they weren't allowed to take their bags off the planes. They had no food, no clothes, like nothing with them and were taken care of by this town. And it's, and it's a true story. And it's really uplifting and very beautiful. It's very political in its timing um, in terms of like a show that is very pro like taking care of people and like bringing people into your country and taking care of them is an especially potent point at this time in history. Crystallize on the news that they're looking for blankets and bedding and maybe some food. Do you know what they need and how much? I need something to do because I can't watch the news anymore. Can I help? Is there something I need to do? Something to keep me from thinking of all of those scenes on the tour? I need something to do because I can't watch the news. No, I can't watch the news anymore. But what I think is so interesting about it is that it is um, not a musical that has a lot of, uh, should we say, like hummable like repeatable show tunes except for me in the sky um somewhere a chill just went up steven sondheim yeah steven sondheim hates hates that word Um, hum steven sondheim songs you just gotta want it you gotta work for it (laughs) you just gotta work for it you can't hum passion sure but you can hum like every other show (laughs) but it just it doesn't it doesn't have any it has like two isolated songs the rest are just like kind of themes with people singing and speaking over them but despite that it's so listenable and it's and it gets stuck in your head and I think that it's cool it's a cool musical it's different I would have loved if it won I don't think it necessarily deserved to but I do think it's it is a cool musical that's doing stuff that I don't see musical theater doing that often. And I think that's great. Yeah. I don't think that that's why they ended up giving uh, best director of a musical to Christopher Ashley, which right. for me was a surprise. I thought the night was looking like it was going to be a Dear Evan Hansen sweep. It had won score. It had won book. Yeah. Rachel Bay Jones won best supporting actress in a musical for playing uh, Evan Hansen's mother. I was like, okay, they'd love this show. And so I was thinking they're either going to give it to Michael Greif um, who I don't believe has ever actually won a Tony Award before. Even, wow, really? That's I know, crazy. Even though he's helmed Rent and Next to Normal, oh. and like, which are like two seminal pieces of musical theater. And both like huge like game changers in exactly. musical theater as well. Um, but Next to Normal didn't win a lot of prizes that year, as true. I recall. Well, it won a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, then, the, <laughs> excuse me, when I say prizes, I, tr- I literally mean Tonys, which... Only our prizes. Y- you made a point, uh, you made a great tweet, Ben, about how your favorite musicals, are the ones that you think are the most memorable, probably did not win the Tony the no, year that they were up. they didn't. Uh, my favorite musical is Passing Strange, which won Best Book, and that was it, because it came out the same year as In the Heights. Now, that was a great year for musicals. Mm-hmm. My point is, 
Best director was looking like it was going to be between Michael Greif or Rachel Chapkin, who I think should have won because staging that beast of a show, a great comet, and this is like the third version of this show that she's done. She staged it in a tent in the meatpacking district and then a tent in Times Square, and now she's taken over the Imperial Theater and <laughs> gutted it with that Tony Award winning set by Mimi Lien. Mm. Um, but I was like, she's got to win. And then they gave it to Christopher Ashley. So I think that was, I mean, he's. It's a very ensemble-heavy show, and until we can get an ensemble Tony Award, I think giving Best Director for ensemble-heavy shows is probably the best way to reward that kind of production. Yeah, that makes sense. What do we want to see him do next year better? Mm. Bring James Corden back. <laughs> they could. Well, they could do that. They could. Honestly, one of the best parts of this broadcast were all the cutaways to Rachel Bloom backstage. Oh, yeah. She should host next year. She honestly should. She did a great job. She would be so good. She was wearing so many tiny hats. I love her. Nick Kroll and John Mulaney should host. They, they should have yes. hosted as Gil and George. They should have honestly. Hosted. They yeah. They were so, everyone should go watch the Independent Spirit Awards yeah. um, opening monologue from this year. It's so funny. But I mean, again, and the thing about Rachel Bloom is, and it's sort of, it's very similar to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who'd also be a good host, mm, is that yeah. it's that enthusiasm about theater. I think the Tony Awards need someone who is super enthusiastic That was what was so good theater. about James Corden, right? That it was just, yeah. No, I totally agree. I think any good theater host, I mean... Even Ro- Rosie O'Donnell, who like has always been a champion of musical of theater and especially musical theater, like that's why she they always brought her back to host. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. I think just enthusiasm for the art is sort of what makes a good Tony host. Yeah, and I mean Neil Patrick Harris was a really popular Tony host because he is very enthusiastic, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about like. Broadway legends because there was that year that Kristen Chenoweth and Alan Cumming hosted together and it was terrible. We know you're probably used to just one host for the Tony Awards. But this year is so big it's begging to be handled by both a man and a woman. I can relate. It It takes two. I think, I don't know, I think next year I would want to see them figure out a way to showcase more of the award speeches and um, and I think last year they also did they did that like those faux um, oh ham for ham for hams yeah. out on the street. Those are pretty cute. And that yeah. was like fun and cute. I mean, I guess they that was that was the Rachel Bloom stuff backstage. Mm-hmm. But I think it it last year's was so fun, and this year's felt like a step down. Well, thankfully, we're getting some more fun musicals next season. We're getting Mean Girls the musical, which is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um. We're getting my favorite musical. I'm getting emotional talking about it. Oh SpongeBob boy. SquarePants. Or when it, when it tried it here in Chicago last summer, the SpongeBob musical. I saw that show <laughs> three times. I loved I know. Uh, Jake looked Jake looked shocked right now. Impressed. Um shocked and or impressed. Um it is a joyful piece of musical theater. It Aww. is some of the best tech you're gonna see in a show. Um it opens in November on Broadway. Um Tina Landau directs it and it's like, um, what if a commercial piece of Broadway musical theater was made with viewpoints that's what <laughs> no honestly that's what it's what's... made with viewpoints and like scored by the flaming lips and tegan and sarah and john, and legend. Yeah. john legend and i'm just gonna make up bands because that's kind of how it is there's like 18 but it, wo- but it works somehow like yeah it's a wonderful piece of theater and i think oh, I'm it's, so excited. it's gonna they're gonna 
they're going to have fun. They're going to make the Tonys fun next year. And then you also have uh, The Band's Visit, which was a critically acclaimed piece of theatre off-Broadway, and that's going to be opening as well. So there's there's going to be some really cool, interesting, fun shows next year. Um, and also Escape to Margaritaville. <laughs> oh, God bless. The Jimmy, the Jimmy Buffett musical. <laughs> it's going to be like, I thought there was another one. That's Thank you one. for... That's it. Oh, God. Didn't you hear Lloyd Webber write that one? But now I think about the good times Down in the Caribbean sunshine In my younger days I was so bad Laughing about all the fun we had You should tell us what musicals you're excited for next year or if there are any touring shows coming to where you are that you're excited about. We're getting, they just announced we're getting Waitress next year. Yeah! Which is super exciting. We also got, we got something rotten coming up. We've got... Possibly Bombshell. Possibly, possibly Bombshell. We've, we've got the best musical of all time, Escape to Margaritaville, coming here in November. I can't wait, I'm, I'm already drunk. <laughs> so yeah, just tell us about any uh, big Broadway musicals that you're looking forward to. Thanks for listening. Ghostlight is a production of First Floor Theatre, produced by Marky Gray, Claire Stone, Jake Smith, and Ben Kay. Like us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Write us a 19th century Russian letter. Or email us with your thoughts and feelings at ghostlightstories at gmail.com. Special thanks to Andres Fonseca and Susie Miller for their microphones and turning off the bachelorette, respectively. Join us next time when we're discussing Miss Saigon, The King and I, and Asian representation in musical theater.